0: Hey, this is Doug Eccles. We want to welcome you to our podcast, Got Better Things For You. We're going to turn to First John, the second chapter, the second verse. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Revelation 20, verse number 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Understand when Jesus came, many people had died like Jesus died. Many people died on crosses, but Jesus was a willing sacrifice. He gave himself willingly. Others went to the cross and they were dragging their heels to go, but Jesus went willingly to die for the sins of the whole world. And we would say today he's the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, but There are some people that do not know that and that is very unfortunate today because in Revelation 20 verse 15 it says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Not a real politically correct verse. People, we don't like to read that verse. We would rather uh, be told that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, which we are. We would rather hear, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And thank God we can. But the truth today is, those that do not know Christ face a terrible judgment. So I ask you today, do you really believe that verse that's on the screen? Do you really believe that those that are not found written in the Lamb's book of life face a terrible judgment? The only part of this Bible you truly believe is the part that you obey. We say we believe it from cover to cover, but we need to be people that obey it from cover to cover. And the truth is today, the sad truth I don't say it jokingly, I don't say it with joy, but the sad truth today is people are going to hell and God does not want them there. Today, number one, very simply, I say that you and I, we are called. We are called to do something about the people that are destined for a judgment that Really, God does not want for them. We are called. We are given a specific job to do. And we know the word of God in Mark 16 and verse 15. Where Jesus said, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we have two mandates from the Bible. We are to go and we are to send. Jesus, he said uh, that we should go. And then we read uh, Paul. He talked about the gospel. He said we should send and we should go. When you read in John 20, twenty I'm a Holy Ghost preacher. I love that Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. But preceding that breath that he breathed on them, he said, as my Father has sent me, he said, even so send I you. So the truth is, we are called. He has called us into this world, and we use our excuses. We say, well, I'm not an evangelist. And we say, it's not my gift. And then others say, well, that's not my spiritual gift. But I say today, you cannot use your giftedness or lack thereof to keep you from doing what you are commanded to do. How many realize the gospel is good news, but it's only good news if it gets there on time? And I was just in Haiti just a uh, couple of weeks ago, and I will tell you, I, uh, I love to see thousands and thousands of people come to a crusade and respond to Jesus. Because I believe God made me to give an altar call. I don't know what you think God made you for, but when I give an altar call, I believe that is what God made me for. But I will tell you, nothing I enjoy better than to go on the street and talk to people one-on-one. And I found we took a group of about 20 people from North Carolina, and all of them had different abilities, and some of them had been serving God a long time, some had just begun serving God. But I found that they were all winning people to Christ, just because even if you're a terrible fisherman, sometimes you'll catch a fish the truth is, we're not the Savior, but we've got to throw the line. And I believe millions and even billions will respond when they hear. And I think many times we use the excuse, well, I'm not equipped. I'm not ready. I feel insignificant. Well, I have a little something to tell you today. I was born... My mom and dad were pastoring in Ohio. My dad is an Assemblies of God pastor for more than 67 years. He pastored right in Dell City. I grew up in Woodward, Oklahoma, so that's why I talk correctly, okay? But I will tell you that I was born with a cleft palate. I had a hole in the roof of my mouth, my lip did not meet in the front. And uh, my parents were given a terrible report by the doctor. The report from the doctor was that your son will never talk correctly without having years of speech therapy. And then they told my mom and dad that I would not hear without having some kind of hearing apparatus. Well, My parents did not believe the report of the doctor. They believed the report of the Lord. The report of the Lord said that their seed would be blessed. And at two months of age, my parents took me to an Oral Roberts tent meeting in Mansfield, Ohio. And... My mother would always remind me of what happened. But I went to that meeting. I'm two months of age. I'm just going by what she said. But she said, "Oil Roberts took me into his arms and prayed for me. I have not had one day of speech therapy. And I have had no problems hearing. The only time I have problems hearing is when my wife asks me to do something I don't want to (laughs) do. So I knew I was healed. I grew up going to... Assemblies of God Youth Camp right here, and, and Kids Camp at Turner Falls. And God moved on my life many times, but at age 15, I'd gone down to Turner Falls to camp, and I knew God called me to preach. But I didn't want to be a preacher. My grandfather was an Assemblies of God preacher with the German Assemblies of God, and, and my dad was an Assemblies of God pastor, and I didn't want to be one of those guys. So for the next four years, I did everything I could do to disqualify myself from ministry. My mother would remind me that God didn't heal me when I was two months of age for me to be running around like a crazy man. At 19 years of age, I'd been going to the University of Oklahoma, you know God's University. There is no refund on your offering today, by the way. But I was going there, and that summer I came home, and I was working for a man in my dad's church, and they were having camp meeting out on North Carol- Kelly here in Oklahoma City. And I came to that camp meeting not to hear the word of the Lord, but I, I came uh, to go to that camp meeting because I knew cute girls would be at camp meeting. And I usually would sit back in the back with all my friends but I got there a little bit late and my dad was sitting about seven rows back and my dad's a big man. He was sitting by my mother. There was a seat by my mom. I sat by my mother and there was a preacher from Texas that began to preach. He began to have the longest boniest finger I'd ever seen in my life and it was pointing right through me. I did not come there to have anything happen but God got a hold of my heart that night. I walked down that aisle and rededicated my life to the Lord and I said I will preach your gospel. I went to my mom and I said, Mom, I'm called to preach. She said, so? I thought she might buy me a new suit or something. She said, your dad and I already knew it, but we were waiting for God to bring it to pass and not man. She said, we never told you, but when Old Roberts prayed for you at two months of age, he prophesied over you that you would preach the gospel throughout the world. I was 19. I began working as a youth pastor in Kansas City. I did not leave this country. Laura and I, I was 32 years of age when the Iron Curtain came down and we went to the Ukraine and started doing missions. But I got a phone call to go on television about what had happened, you know, with the Oral Roberts ministry and tell that story. And So I asked my dad to give me all the information. He sent me a FedEx package the next day. It had like 20-some pages handwritten. He had pictures and a letter in there. And the letter was dated 1963, the year I was born. Don't rack your brain, I'm 53. But it was from the Division of Foreign Missions Department of the Assemblies of God. I'm going on television to tell my testimony, but when you're two months of age, you don't know all the details. So I opened up that letter and it was written to my mom and my dad. It said, Dear Reverend Eccles, We're sorry to hear that you are not coming to the Congo as planned. We know that you have itinerated and raised all your money to be missionaries. We're sorry to hear about your son. I was born with a cleft palate. I never heard my parents ever mention they were going to the Congo. So I called my oldest sister up and she said, Well, thank God you were born the way you were born or we'd have had to live in Africa. Now, that wasn't because our family didn't love the world, and my sister included. But in those days, missionary kids did not live with their parents. They got sent to boarding school. And my sister, she's in her 60s now, and she still loves her mama and daddy. I called my dad and I said, Dad, why didn't you tell me that you were going to go to the Congo? He said, well, we didn't want to put anything on you. We didn't want you to think you messed up our dream." He said, and I've never heard, I've heard other preachers on TV use this, but i never heard my dad say it. He said, but what the devil meant for bad, God turned for our good. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, Brother Tucker was in Congo, an Assemblies of God missionary. We were going to live with him. At that time, the Congo was having a revolution. He said, we would have been with him. We were going to stay with him. He was going to train us. They took Brother Tucker at the time we would have been there and fed him to the crocodiles. It was not good for Brother Tucker. But what the devil meant for bad, God has turned for our good. And I will tell you the dream is still alive in my dad's son. I have preached all over Africa. I have been on shortwave radio preaching the gospel in Africa over and over and over, preached crusades. And I'm going to tell you, I believe the devil, he probably wakes up and says, I wish I'd have just let him go to the Congo. Because I'm going to tell you something, when the thief is found, he's got to restore sevenfold. I believe sometimes we think that we can't do it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm a boy from Woodward, Oklahoma. In the middle of nowhere with a cleft palate that my teacher said I shouldn't make it through college. My college professor told me I shouldn't be preaching the gospel. Do something else. I've done this now for over 34 years. I'm here to tell you we've seen more than a million people come to Jesus. I don't know what your excuse is today. The truth is the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Romans eleven twenty nine, God does not change his mind about you. You and I, I would have to say we are called. And number two, I'd have to say that we are debtors today. We are debtors. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. Paul said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, to the wise, to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is the power right here. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. He drew me to Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus today. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's still the power of God. Second Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ Moves us to do something strong today. His love commands action. And love constrains us to do something. For the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. If we are born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit, then we have to do something. He constrains us. We're compelled. Deep down inside... We know that we are debtors today. He has done so much for us, we cannot keep it to ourselves. On January the 12th, 2010, it was the second time that I had gone to Haiti. I'd been to more than 40 nations of the world at that time, but I'd only been to Haiti one time before. I knew one man in Haiti, he was my interpreter. I was going there to do a crusade in the north part of Haiti that day. I flew into the international airport, and in order to get to the north, you either take a a ride over the mountains that takes eight hours, or you fly a little 20-seat plane that takes uh, about 25 minutes. I chose the latter. I went to the national airport. You have to drive from the international to the national. It's very close, but they do it. It's a little bit of a drive around stuff, and... When I got there to the counter, I, I said, I have a ticket for Doug Eccles and a pastor from Indiana. Uh, I said, I have two tickets to go to Capation in the north. And the lady looked at me. She said, Mr. Eccles, your flight has been canceled. She said, there's been so much rain that water is up to your knee on the runway at Capation. We cannot fly in today. I said, well, what, what, what should I do? She said, well, I would try to come back tomorrow. Now, I don't know anybody in Haiti but my interpreter. I've been to Haiti one time before. I was in Port-au-Prince just for a short time. I spent the night there. And so as I'm leaving the building with my pastor friend from Indiana, a guy from Royal Caribbean, he said, I've never been out of the country. He said, what are you guys going to do? I said, well, just come with us. He said, I've never been out of the country. He said, I'm an underwater scuba diving welder, and I'm here to do some work in Haiti Or the Royal Caribbean But I, I don't know what to do I said come with me So we got in a taxi And we go to a place I stayed before A missionary guest house Wall's guest house And on the way there I heard the voice of the Lord The Bible said for as many as are led by the Spirit of God They are the sons of God The word led does not mean Bam How many know if God spoke to us like that We would all listen We'd probably come to church bruised up every week but the word led there means to be gently led. I heard the voice of the Lord. How, how do you hear the voice of the Lord? How do you know God's speaking to you? The best I can explain it is I can hear it and feel it at the same time. That's it. And I hear this voice say, do not stay there. So I reach up to the taxi driver. I said, I'm not going to stay at Wall's guest house. He said, where are you going to go? I said, well... How about Visa Lodge? I ate a meal there one time and I didn't get sick. That's a good place to go in Haiti. I don't know where to go. He takes me to Visa Lodge. It's me, a pastor friend from Indiana. We got this guy we don't even know. I walk up to the counter. I said, we need three rooms, please. The lady behind the counter said, we only have one room with three beds. All right, I thought, well, I can deal with the pastor from Indiana, but I don't know this other guy. So I I began to look at him. I looked at him and judged him. Can you believe that? Some of you say, oh, we shouldn't judge, we shouldn't judge. Do you realize this Bible has a whole book called Judges in it? (laughs) You don't eat at every restaurant in Oklahoma City. Why is that? Judging. You don't let your kids play with everybody in town. Why? You're judging. If the cook looks like he has hepatitis, I don't eat there. So I'm judging this guy. And you know what I found out? He was judging me too. Because we're getting ready to share a room. I wanted him to tell him, you know, whatever you're thinking of, I got delivered of it at birth. (laughs) Somebody will catch that tomorrow. Everybody say whatever. Okay. All right. So we take that room. I call up to the north, talk to my friend. They said, look, the crusade grounds have too much water. We weren't having a crusade tonight. They called a pastor in Port-au-Prince. We were going to preach. He's coming to pick us up about 7 o'clock. So we go outside. It was very cold in January in 2012. Very cold. All across the world, it was very cold. And uh, we're sitting outside. There's a pool of water. We're sitting by it. We were not swimming, but we're sitting by a pool. I'm reading a T.L. Osborne book. My friend's reading the Bible. I don't know what the guy from Royal Caribbean's doing, but he's sitting there. But at 4.53 p.m., the ground began to shake violently. It began to shake like nothing I've ever felt before and our chairs are bouncing and immediately I began to pray in the Holy Ghost out loud. My friend, uh, the pastor from Indiana, he's praying in the Holy Ghost out loud in tongues and then the guy from Royal Caribbean, he's doing something in tongues but I don't need an interpreter. And for the next 35 seconds... The earthquake that we now know about. I was in that earthquake, changed my life forever. We went out, tried to help a building like this. The whole roof came down in one piece. We didn't have a a crowbar. We didn't have a bulldozer. We didn't have uh, a forklift. We had nothing, and people were running around with crushed limbs, and and people were screaming, and the next, uh, it got dark almost immediately, and I tried to do everything I could do to help. I had $8,000 in my pants pocket and couldn't even buy a bottle of water That tells you what's going to happen during the tribulation. You better be ready to go when Jesus comes. I had the money. But I'm going to tell you something. The next day I saw horrific sights. Hundreds of bodies lying out. Some covered, some uncovered. I saw people screaming. I saw people's lives devastated. And I will tell you something. We know now that somewhere around 300,000 people died. I'm alive. I don't know what you think, but I owe the people a hating my life. You say, what do I mean by that? I've been back 42 times since the earthquake. We've seen more than 250,000 children get a meal and the gospel presented to them. And what's great about kids is they always uh, give their heart to Jesus when you give them an opportunity. We've done 55 wells for People there that had to walk for miles, water wells, for something that we take for granted. These meals that are given, you think about it. If you're a mom about lunchtime and your kids are at school, you think, what am I going to feed the kids tonight? But in Haiti, the moms are thinking, am I going to feed the kids tonight? We have built a church, we build a school, we support an orphanage there, but it's still not enough. I'm a debtor to the people of Haiti. And a debtor to the people of the world because of what Jesus has done for me. And I tell you today, I believe we're all debtors. He paid a price that he didn't know. I'm going to close with this today. We are witnesses. We hear that. We think a witness is maybe the guy that rides his bike with black pants, white shirt, black tie, first name elder with blonde hair and blue eyes. We think a witness is those older or or the well, maybe middle aged ladies that come to your door with the magazine on Saturday. But Acts one eight says, You'll receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. He said, You'll be witnesses. I don't think we understand what witness means. Let me tell you one more story before I quit. I usually preach a little different than this, but this is what I believe the Lord laid upon my heart today. When I was in Pakistan, I've been to Pakistan many, many times. People say, why would you go to Pakistan? Because people need Christ. I hate the Muslim religion, but I love Muslim people. I've been in Pakistan. I've seen more than 150,000 people come to Jesus in Pakistan alone. And I think anybody could just read a script and people would get saved. They're waiting to hear. But I'm on the border of Afghanistan. I'm in Quetta. When our troops went into Afghanistan, they came through Quetta. And I'm in Quetta preaching at the soccer stadium there. I'm on the platform. I prayed for thousands of people, but a man comes up to me. And I recognize that he's not from Pakistan. Now, the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan, people look very similar, but because of the strictness of the religion of the Taliban, the Afghani people dressed stricter than the Pakistani. Does that make sense? So I could recognize They were coming across the border. Afghanistan was closed to the gospel, but they're coming across the border and hearing, this gospel of the kingdom shall go to the whole earth, and then the end will come. He's coming soon. This man comes up to me. He has a a stick, and he's walking kind of funny, and his legs look all twisted and curled up and and knotted up, and and he's all bent over. He's 20, 21 years old. And he says, can I speak to you? I said, yes, go ahead. He said, no, in private. Well, the best I could do was go to the corner of the platform. I walked to the corner of the platform. He said, I want you to pray for me. He said, you see my legs. Will you pray for me? I said, yes, I'll pray. He, he said, but I want to tell you how I got this way. And I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to close with today. He said, I got this way. He said, I'm from Afghanistan. He said, my dad... And my brother, our family, we were Christian. He said, military men came to our house. They knocked the door down and they had their rifles. And they knocked the door down and they put their rifle to my father's head and they said, where's the Bible? He said, we had a Bible in our house. But my dad would not tell him where he had hidden the Bible. He said, they tried to get it out of him and he would not tell and He said, finally, I'm just a little boy when this happened, but they shot my father in front of my eyes. He looked. He said, they looked around, and my older brother's there. They held the gun to his head, and they tried to force him to tell where the Bible was. He said, my older brother would not tell. He said, they killed my older brother in front of my eyes. And in broken English, he said something to me on that platform in Pakistan. He said, can you get me a Bible that I can read? He said, I'm crippled because of what those soldiers did to me that day. I was so young, they turned their guns around and they beat me with the blunt end of their rifles until I was crippled. He said, but can you get me a Bible that I can read? He said, my father and my brother did not die for nothing. My father and my brother did not die for nothing. Acts eight says, but you'll receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. I think we got the wrong idea what witness is. The word there, witness, in the Greek is martus, M-A-R-T-U-S. We get the English word martyr from it. I believe what Jesus actually said, literally said there, you'll receive the Holy Ghost and then you'll give your life for me. I'm not necessarily talking about dying for him today. But I'm going to tell you something, I've got my mind made up. If that be the case, I'm willing to die. But I'm telling you something. I've decided I'm going to give my life for Him. And those of us here that are filled with His Spirit, I believe God is calling us to give our life for Him. Who will do it if not you? A lot of times we put it off on somebody else. We put it off on somebody else. But who's going to do it if it's not you? I want you to stand your feet with me today. I got more to say but I'm going to leave it right there. Stick with me the pastor's going to dismiss all of you together. you'll receive the Holy Ghost and you'll give your life for me. I want everybody to begin to check themselves today. I want you to take inventory of your life today a lot of times we come to church and I don't know, there's people that came to church Like I did, I grew up in church My dad's a preacher, grandpa a preacher But I sat in the pew not ready to meet God The Bible said it is appointed unto man Once to die and then the judgment Listen, what happened in Haiti That day in that earthquake It haunts me I can see things in my mind And I've never asked God to get it out of my mind Because I'm a debtor But the consolation I have is this. Listen very carefully. Make sure we keep that real low for me. In 35 seconds, I pray that many of those people called upon the name of the Lord. That's the only consolation I have. But I realize that Jesus is coming soon. He's not coming Where it takes 35 seconds He's coming in the twinkling of an eye So when he comes There's not 35 seconds buffer to get ready you got to be ready in advance And I'm very clear with you today If you got sin in your life I don't care what the preacher on TV says I don't care what your grandma says I don't care what anybody says Sin will keep you out of heaven You say, well, I I don't like that kind of preaching. Well, argue with the Bible. I'm preaching it as straight as I can today because somebody, you got sin in your life and if Jesus came back, you'd be left behind. If your relationship with the Lord is not up to date, you'll be left behind. I don't say that happily. I say it because I'm trying to warn somebody today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. And I'm going to ask a little backwards. Some of you have been in altar calls for 50 years or more. But I'm asking a little backwards today. If that trumpet were to sound and the shout were to go up and Jesus came back and the dead in Christ rose first, would you be left behind or would you be caught up to meet him in the air? Is your relationship with the Lord up to date? You have sin in your life. I'm not asking today if you're 99 or 98% ready. I'm asking today if you're 100% sure. If you're only 98 or 99% sure, then I say you're 100% lost. How many in this building? I'm asking a little backwards. With heads bowed, eyes closed, between me, you, and God right now. You say, preacher, if Jesus came back today... I don't have sin in my life. My relationship with the Lord is up to date, and I'm ready to meet Jesus if He came. If that's you, would you lift up your hand and leave it there just for a moment, please, quickly? All right. All right. You put your hands down. Now, what I saw, God already knows. He has a book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And in that book, there are names that have been written, and some of you probably had your name in there, but according to Revelation, It says some names have been blotted out. Some of you didn't raise your hand. I'm not asking anybody to join this church. I'm not asking anybody to know how to pray. I'm not asking you to shake a preacher's hand. But today you need a fresh start, a new beginning. What I saw in every section of this church was people that did not raise their hand. God sent his son Jesus for you. Listen to me. It's going to take some courage. going to take some guts. But you won't be the only one. You won't be the only one today. I want you that are not sure you're ready for the coming of the Lord. You say, I need a fresh start, a new beginning. I'm asking you right now, without hesitation, to step out of the seat, excuse yourself, and come stand here facing me. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You deny me, I will deny you. But he said, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. This is the place of mercy. Thank you, sir, for coming. There's still others that need to come. Come on, quickly, quickly. We're not waiting very long today. Come on, we had 35 seconds in Haiti. I don't know how much time you have, but I'd say get here today. Come on, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Come on, thank you for coming. I'm waiting 35 seconds today. That's it, we're already down to 25. I honor the people that had courage to come. You're saying I just need a fresh start, a new beginning, preacher. Come on, we're down to 15 seconds. Is there anybody else today? Keep walking these aisles. Thank you. You might be a visitor here. Today we're friendly to you because we want you in the family of God. Come on, we're down to 10 seconds. Is there anyone else today? Is there anyone else? Five seconds. Devil, you're a liar. You take your hands off. I need somebody to be interceding just quietly right now. Come on. Five seconds. Somebody else needs to come. Come on, son. You've been away from God too long. Maybe you're like this preacher, son. You've been away from God even sitting in the church. I'm telling you, God's dealing with your heart. Somebody here needs to come. I honor these that have come. I want to ask another question right now. But before I do, I'd like a believer, maybe a friend, maybe just somebody in the church, but you come stand with these people that have come. I don't want you to do anything yet. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to do it all together. But in a minute, you're going to help me pray. If you'll stand behind somebody, tomorrow they're going to have to serve God alone. But today, they can have somebody help them. Come on, I need some helpers right here to come stand behind a few people. Come on, there's some people at the altar need somebody to pray with them in a moment. Just get ready. Don't do anything yet, but get ready. With heads bowed, eyes closed. Acts 1.8 says, You'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. You'll give your life for me. How many in this building would say, Preacher, I make a new commitment. 2017, we're we're just in the very first quarter of the year, but I make a new commitment to give my life to Him like never before. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now in this building? Come on. Somebody paid the price for you. Come on. If you got your hand up, join in this altar right behind these. Come on. Make a step toward God right now. Just come in behind. Come on. You got your hand up from the front to the back? Come on. You say, I make a new commitment to give my life to Christ. I'm not talking about dying for Him, I'm just talking about making Him number one in every area. A new commitment you may have been committed last year you may have done great things but I'm going to tell you if I heard that commitment call right now and I'm sitting there, I'm a preacher I'd come to the altar I want you to come come on, would you come Father God have mercy in the name of Jesus Father God have mercy in the name of Jesus whosoever is not found written in the book of life cast into the lake of fire we believe that Lord we give our life to you so that others may know so that others may come to Christ God's moving on hearts right now but I'm going to ask you to do something in this building from front to back side to side 1 Timothy 2.8 I will that men pray everywhere I will that mankind men, women, teenagers I will that men pray in Oklahoma City lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. I'm asking everybody to lift up both hands if you're physically able. You lift up that right hand and left hand. It signifies to God that you're not mad at Him and you're here in faith. Come on. I want you to lift up those hands. And there's some people I want you to help me pray with right now. Everybody, whether you're kneeling, standing, wherever you're at in this building, pray this prayer with me right now. Let's pray this together. We all want to be ready for Jesus' return. Say this with me now. Dear God in heaven. Come on, say it boldly. Dear God in heaven. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. I know that Jesus is coming soon. And I want to be ready. I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart. I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. His blood is cleansing me now. I repent of my past. I have a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of direction. I'm never going to be the same. I believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And He's coming again for me. I boldly confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is my Lord. Sin is not my Lord. Satan is not my Lord. The things of this world are not my Lord. But Jesus Christ is my Lord. I'm never going to be the same. I'm ready for His coming. I'll serve You, Jesus, all the days of my life. I give my life to You. Speak to me, Lord. Make it clear in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're standing behind somebody, just reach up and pray for them for a moment. Come on, do it right now.